My first rifle was a 243. Papa gave daddy and daddy gave to me. And they taught me how to shoot with a steady hand. I guess that's something you don't understand. Welcome back to another episode of All American Wing Shooting. This may be one of the most special episodes I have done or ever will do. So today we're going to talk to the man that built me. My shooting coach Demas is joining us today and I'm so excited. Hey Demas. Okay to be here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's going to be fun. Yeah, we need to um I don't know if this is going to be good or bad reminiscing about my journey. I know I've probably been the most complicated student you've ever had. Well, that's probably not a stretch. Um, (laughs) You've been right up there at the top. There's been a couple more that have been a bit more challenging than you. But uh, yes, you were you you were a challenge. uh, But I think we got you squared away pretty good. I think at this point. Yeah. So I don't I don't know if there's been an episode that I haven't talked about you on um, just just telling how I got to where I am. But Jeff Barnes with Ducks Unlimited, which we've gone to banquets with him. He was on recently, and we were just talking about how DU connected uh, connects a lot of people. And I and I've never been a duck hunter until recently, but I never would have found you if it hadn't have been for DU. And hmm. they set me up for epic failure <laughs> and um, hosting a ladies' event. But I I thought I could do it. You know who knew that sporting clays would be so hard and so I found out the hard way and I said y'all better find me a coach and they gave me your number and that's how we met hmm. I had no idea that was uh that was the genesis of all this uh, I do remember you walking up the hill that day that uh, we uh, had our very first session and uh, you were all excited to go I could just see it in your face and uh I still remember it to this day so I'm glad we got together and <laughs> Uh, glad that some of this could uh, rub off on you and, and work in a positive way. Etowah Valley. Oh yes. my gosh. The roller coasters I've lived there. <laughs> yep. It, it, and it's, uh, it's still the same. It's still, uh, it's still the same course. It's still the same degree of difficulty. And I don't know <laughs> if you knew it at the time, but at the time, and it's still, it is a very challenging course. Uh, and it was actually a bit difficult to find targets for you that uh, would fit your skill level at the time. So uh, we trained you on a very difficult course. Well, I came to you with every problem imaginable. The worst gun fit, eye dominance issues. Um, We have learned over time that my stigmatism gave me a terrible depth perception problem. So I came (laughs) and you go through your whole spiel teaching me without a gun about how targets move and and how to read a target and um i have never i've worked with with trainers all over the country and nobody has ever coached like you do and there's another funny story about that (laughs) well the uh the truth of the matter is no one really has the background that i have uh from a 
mental management perspective. That's a very key uh, part of how I train. And uh, if you actually go to the mental management uh, website, you'll find that I'm the only sporting place coach. There's a lot of coaches. Uh, it's probably now at my level, level three, there's probably a dozen, but there are many at level two, level ones. And, but I don't think there's any others uh, other than myself in sporting class. So in order to really learn the game of sporting class, you have to match up the technical aspects of the game with the mental aspects. And that's the thing that I think differentiates me from other coaches. They tend to be more informational. Mental management coaches tend to be transformational. And that is a big difference in how we work with the student. Absolutely. And I never would have gotten to where I am today if I had been coaching a different method. I know that now, and it was hard. The way that you coach is hard um, to go through, to, you know, because I wanted to, to be the best that I could be to reach my full potential. I had to deal with a lot of things through that mental management process. But the funny thing is, is when I first started shooting with you, you, uh, <laughs> you pull it, put on your attorney attitude and would just give me a little bit of information and shut me up. <laughs> and I'm like, I want to research this. Like, tell me what you're teaching me. What's this method, blah, blah, blah. And you're always like the British method, the British method, never thinking I would actually shoot with the Brits. Right. Right. So somehow you built me and I started shooting really well. And then I got invited to go to this game fair and not even understanding what the industry could offer, right? Like I had no idea that the outdoor industry was as vast as it was, or there was as opportunity as it was. I just wanted to come to you and do the very best that I could in that day. And I had no idea what doors it would open. So I got invited to go to this game fair and I went and Purdy was there. So I met Larry and Steven with Purdy and I got so geeked up. I was like, I can finally talk techniques and all this stuff. So I just started spitting out stuff. And they're, all they would say is, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. I, I'll never forget picking up the phone and calling you and being like, you totally played me because the Brits don't know what the heck I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it, it's to go back to your initial point where uh, you, know, you were kind of like a mushroom. I'd keep you in the dark on certain things. Uh, and, I, and I told you after a while, because you kept you kept after me about it, that you wanted to know more. Uh, but I told you, look, we need to take this a step at a time because this is this is a step by step process. And one of the things that we noticed right off the bat, and I think I told you, it's one of the mental management uh, uh, principles. It's down the line, but it's probably the one that affected you the most. And that is that self-image and performance are always equal. And in order to change your performance, you have to change your self-image. Mm -hmm. So as we worked over time, I could see that you were struggling not just with the shot, but you were struggling with a lot of different things uh, on a personal level as well. And those things were actually getting in the way of you learning how to shoot and shoot very well because you told me you wanted to be a competitive shooter and so the goal was to get you there uh, but we first had to uncover a number of things and i can't give you everything i still haven't given you everything uh, at this point 
but I gave you enough to really make you uh, a very, uh, well, a very changed shooter. And in fact, um, I'm sure you remember, because I definitely remember, about 16 months after you started with me, you were actually a state champion. I was. was super sporting. Yeah, it was super sporting. Yeah. In your class, that was amazing. And I was the only female. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I was the only female just about wherever we went for a while. That kind of stuff is the stuff that improved your self-image so much and continually building it by the imprinting that we had to do is what uh, really took you forward. Because without that, without that good self-image, which you can replace, by the way, the current self-image you have, whatever it is and whoever's listening, if you've got a self-image that maybe you're not all that happy with, you can change it. But you have to be like Anna. Anna wanted to change it. And when a coach is evaluating a student, we look for that desire to change. And if it's not there, you know, we're going to go a different direction. But with you, I really saw that there was not only a desire, but a need to change. Mm-hmm. And so we started it essentially with that particular uh, principle that self-image and performance are equal. And your performance wasn't great, obviously, because no. your self-image wasn't. So we built, we began our building from there. Yeah. And so people may not understand what that is exactly but i just came from a past of making some bad decisions that were lasting and you have self-guilt you have um imposed expectations of the like your family the people that are around you and it really does affect your life so whether you're committing to being a competitive shooter like i was I had no idea that I was pretty much committing to counseling for the next two years every single day of my life. And that was like hardcore counseling. You weren't going to accept, you weren't going to keep investing in me unless I showed up to do the work. And I didn't even know what was going on in the moment, right? Because I was oblivious. Yeah. And so sometimes like things would just hit so hard. It's like, I see it. I, I know what's going on. I know where my gun should be, but I can't get it there. And learning that the way that we'd have to like work in the subconscious when we were on the clay course and how I'd have to shut off everything. And especially with women, we're always multitasking and juggling things in our mind. So if we'd had a train wreck of a morning, most of the time men can shut it off and just go straight to work and get to business. But women will worry and obsess over those things in the back of their mind over and over and over. And it's a complete and utter distraction to where their focus should be for the rest of the day. So I didn't, I learned through shooting about what a train wreck I really was mentally. And, um, I, I say it all the time, shooting sports, saved my life and then in some ways it actually gave me a life because I never would have been able I don't think to have reached a level of perfection or the expectation I had for myself in any other career choice without going through this process no I think that's right your self-image would, would have held you back and people need to understand that in order to have a really good performance and I don't care what it is you do whether you're a shooter uh, you're a dog trainer or you're an attorney uh, three things have to have to match up. They all have to be the same. You have to know what to think about consciously. You have to have the skill set, which is in your subconscious, 
but the, the gas pedal is the self-image. So even if you have the skills and you know what to think about, if your self-image is not good, you cannot perform to your highest capabilities. And you're right. When you find a skill in like you did what you particularly in particular found it in sporting class, as you got better, as your self-image got better and built with the sporting clays game, it flowed into the rest of your life. There's mm -hmm. no doubt about that. And it affected the rest of your life. So for transformational purposes, for people that are listening and thinking, well, you know, what, what do I need to do to change? How, how can I change? What, what do I need to find to, that can help me do that? It, if you have to try and do it on your own, it's very difficult. You need a professional to really apply information that they, the first thing a professional does when, when we get together with you uh, is we're going to look for information that you already have, but maybe don't even know you have. So we have to uncover it or we have to impart it. That's the first thing. The second thing is we have to, as professionals, we have to apply it. We have to make sure that the information that we give you is correct. So from a sporting clays perspective, that's the technical aspects of shooting and some of the mental management pieces. Third thing we have to do is we have to confirm it. The professional has to confirm it for you. So constantly, if you think back to the time when we were shooting, I would, I would always give you very positive feedback. I would never give you negative feedback. Uh, we're solutions-based coaches. Transformational coaches are solutions-based coaches. We don't talk about the mistakes. Mm -hmm. We talk about the things you need to do to change. Right. So providing information, applying it professionally, confirming it for the, from a professional standpoint, which takes the doubt out of your mind, and then continuing consultation, which is basically what we're doing right now, to make mm -hmm. sure that you stay on track. Those things will help you transform. If you don't have those things in place, it's going to be very difficult. Well, and you didn't always give me the answers. Even still to this day, I get never some. Never gave me the answers. <laughs> never gave me the answers. And it was hard. You'd park that, that golf cart, and I'd be like, here here we go. Because it was always a challenge, and it was always something that I didn't want to deal with. Right? It was where I had – I was I was fine at blaming myself. I had a hard time recognizing the fact that I couldn't count on other people or that other people weren't going to change or that I was um, expecting things from others that they didn't like they didn't want for themselves. Right. And that's a really hard thing to do when you're invested in other people and they don't want to meet you at a place where everybody is successful and um, and reach the potential of relationships or you know, family or whatever. And that, that was really hard. This girl shed a lot of tears on this, this clay course. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're right. I never gave you the answer. I made you, I made you come up with the answer. Uh, it's, you know, giving you information is one thing, but resolving questions, mm -hmm. resolving issues, that's something that you have to do. Uh, what I could do is I could lead you and I would lead you and sometimes it would take you several weeks to come up with the answer. And you would send me a message and you'd say, you asked me a question. Here's my answer. And you'd and say, say, well, you're, try you're again. Yeah, try again. <laughs> uh, but I think that built you. That helped to build you. It helped your thought process. And as you 
realized that you were able to solve those issues, again, it built your self-image. So our job as coaches, uh, when we wanna have you attain a higher level of performance, is we have to build that self-image because again, self-image and performance are always equal. So building it, giving you this, the self-reliance that you could build it, gave you an increased self-image. And again, that rolled through the entire and a uh, lifespan and uh, has affected everything you do. Yeah, and and it's human nature to just want to cheat the system, right? Like who wants to feel the pain or who wants to face things? And and that was a, a big deal of what I was facing was that I needed somebody to face problems that they didn't want to face. And so, you know, just being honest about this whole thing, shooting sports helped me way more in a personal life with personal relationships than it did even with my game. Um, sure. Cause I came as an athlete, so you could easily build me um, when it came to the athletic side of shooting, but that mental side and depending on how long, you know, you're in a certain situation depends on, how hard it's going to be to dig out of it. And I was talking with a girlfriend yesterday and she was doing the, she started the 75 hard and she was giving me, um, the, I guess the background on it, which I don't even know the guy's name that started it, but I, I do have a lot of girlfriends that post about it. And they, she was telling me that he created the system to deal with depression and saying that, you know, mental strength is what got him through. And so he created a system, a very disciplined system to help other people create mental strength. And that's exactly what you did for me. And the the bonus of working with you and not doing it on my own. Number one, you could call me out on my BS, which I needed a lot. And number two, like I didn't, I didn't have to do it alone. I just feel like I probably gained more from having you there guiding the way instead of me just picking up, you know, with, um, oh my God, my, my book just left me with winning in mind. If I'd picked that up by myself and not had you to keep me accountable through all the steps, I wouldn't have achieved as much. No. And I, and I think that's a, that's actually a mistake that people make thinking that they can watch a, uh, a DVD or they can pick up a book, they can read it uh, or watch the DVD and they can learn from it and make the changes that need to have happen. But remember when I was talking about the transformational steps, the second step is professionally applied information. So if you just picking up a book or you watching a DVD with no professional there to guide and to provide the feedback and the confirmation that you need, it, it's a losing game. It just, it just doesn't work. Uh, and in fact, you're one of the very few people who have actually kind of gone through uh, the almost the entire system. We never got quite to the very end, but we got very close. Only about 5% uh, of all people do. Uh, and the reason is, and you said it earlier, it's hard. Mm -hmm. This type of change is difficult and you've got to have somebody pushing you to do that. So uh, again, don't, if you're listening, don't fool yourself that you can pick up a book or a DVD and read it and change. You won't find that professional who can apply it and confirm that things are going in the proper way. 
and then provide that additional consultation down the road. That'll keep you on track. Yeah, because when I signed up for shooting lessons, I had no idea that I was going to have to deal with my heart. I mean, that's really what happened, right? Because I had a pretty hard heart when we showed up. And so I just wanted to shoot things and it felt really good to come and like blow off steam. And a lot of people do that. They, they use shooting sports as an outlet to get away and an, and an escape. And for me, I found that that was actually the solution. And I was very fortunate because this was all by chance. Like I didn't know anything about your program. And actually the people that gave me the number didn't know about your program. Um, you, I think you're probably the best kept secret in shooting sports. Uh, I've seen you shoot some serious scores. I don't think I've ever seen you shoot lower than a 96. That would be your bad day. And it was probably, I don't know, 40 mile an hour winds and pouring down rain. And I remember <laughs> I've seen, that one. I've seen you shoot multiple hundreds every year that we've shot together. And, yeah. and it's not because you're an amazing shooter. I mean, those skills, and, and this is a point that I always go back to. You say once you get to a certain level, everybody's got the same shooting skills. It boils down to who has the, mo the, the most mental strength. And that that's with everything. That's with people's careers, any type of sport. Um, it overflows into every aspect of your life. And I sat there and watched you consistently stay on top and net and I loved it when I got to the point where when you would say how did I even miss that you know and you get to the point to where you're so focused and you're so confident in yourself and you understand what's going on to the point that when things don't happen you're like there's no way that that happened like that'll never happen again and you go right back to your best self right I mean that what you've just uh expressed there is the difference between hoping you're going to break the target or hoping you will achieve whatever it is you're doing and expecting to do it. And that's a, that's a vast difference. It's as wide as the Grand Canyon. Uh, most people fall into that category. 95% of the people fall into the category of, I hope I'm going to be able to do this. Most of the shooters that shoot hope they can break the target. The master shooters and those master shooters at the top of that particular class expect the target to break. And so when one is missed, we really do turn around and say, how did I miss that? Because the expectation <laughs> is so great that uh, because your concentration was and your focus was so good, you just can't even believe you missed it. Uh, so, I mean, you, you characterize that perfectly uh, in your explanation there, but expectations versus hoping is a big change that one has to go through if you want to reach the highest levels of performance in anything you do. Yeah, and I'll tell you where this came into play. So, um, and I really, I guess I went a little early, but you built me six months later, like we started, I think it was April 14th of 2016. So? Six months later, um, I went to North Carolina to go take my NSCA um, test so that I could become an instructor and we were going to tag team the world. Right. And so, well, before that, for me to even win my first tournament, 
<laughs> was it's so crazy because I couldn't find the right gun. I just didn't have confidence with anything I picked up. And you brought old trusty and old trusty was an old school CZ. They don't even make these measurements anymore. Um, they do have the same gun uh, with the name, but it has been standardized for the measurements. And I picked that up in the parking lot at Garland mountain. And I'll never forget. I'm going to win tomorrow. Like I remember picking it up and saying that I won my, first tournament the very next day and we were at noon tula and up in uh, blue ridge and i had a stetson on my head and i was like okay this is the life i'm gonna do this every time i show up and it felt so amazing and so that was i guess early or late summer or something and then we're like go go take your test so i went to north carolina and here I was, you know, brand new shooter. I don't know. I'd probably shot four or five tournaments maybe. And I was shooting the same scores as double A shooters there. And I was the only female there. And, um, you know, I did have my pistol background. So I'd been through tests and getting certified and, and under pressure was shooting, but nothing like being prepared like what you had prepared me for this so here I am with one of the instructors that have been there for forever and I just remember being picked on literally being picked on as um as a female maybe maybe not and but definitely because I had to admit that I'd only been shooting for six months and people were like why are you even here like you don't even belong here and um and so I'm like okay so every time we had to demonstrate I always got picked to do it first and all this stuff and I got put through the ringer getting my certification and at the end of the weekend I was the only one that made a 100 on my certification because nothing shook me you know and and that was when like i had been in kevin's catalog and then they had the catalog and then they made a big deal about that because like oh well you're just a picture taker blah 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 you know and i'm like no i pretty much came here to kick your ass (laughs) you know and and we were all supposed to be on the same team but then i had i had to defend myself i had to protect my self-image i like i had to go into that mode that every time i picked up the gun i was there to prove myself and, and that was six months after we got started. And I'll tell you, every single time I pick up a gun, I feel that same pressure that people are just doubtful and all stuff. Maybe because I, you know, in in I, I found such a passion for sports uh, or shooting sports because of the healing process that I experienced with you that people don't know about. Right. Yeah, and and I'm going to take you back into that little that conversation that you just started here, just uh, just a little bit, okay? Because you said some very important things there. You said you picked up old trusty. You said you were going to win, and you did. Yeah. Now, when you first walked up to me six months prior to, there was no way that you even <laughs> thought you were going to get a target, little old. <laughs> so, so the difference in change in that short period of time, which, by the way is absolutely amazing from from zero to instructor in six months is absolutely amazing i don't even know i don't know anybody else that's done that uh but all of that rolls back to that bit of a swagger that you had when you picked up that gun and you said i'm going to do this Mm -hmm. you expected to do it and that was exactly what i was talking about just a minute ago 
between hoping and expecting. And you knew, you knew at that point, I can do this. Mm-hmm. And trust me, well, well, you know it, six months prior to that, <laughs> you had no idea what was even possible. And right. then we're just saying, I'm going to go out and conquer the world. And, uh, and you jumped right on. It was amazing. Yeah, it, it really was so much fun. And, you know, for people that are just listening to this, I was shooting with Demas five, six days a week. Wherever he was, I was there. And when I look back, I have no idea how I got away with this. I had Tater was like two. (laughs) Sometimes she would come with the sitter and they would ride around with us. But I was not missing this. And it wasn't because I was addicted to shooting targets. I was addicted to the middle management part and the process, even though there were days that that was so hard, I never wanted to quit of going through um, your program to be my best self. I was addicted to that. I still am. Like we talk all the time because it keeps me accountable to that. Right. Yeah, it is. It is something that, uh, it flows through your life. It, uh, you know, you might pick it up in, um, in golf, you might pick it up in shooting. Uh, there's even a pageantry, uh, side of mental management. Uh, dog training, whatever skill set that you have, there's usually some someone who will coach that from the mental management perspective. But the thing is, it is a life-changing, life-altering system that I do believe you can become addicted to it. I'm addicted to it. Every time mm-hmm. I pick up my gun, and you said it yourself, you haven't seen too many low scores from me, it's because I, I operate on that particular system all the time. When I'm practicing and I'm, I put my lawyer hat on, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it can it can help you achieve the highest level of performance uh, possible with the least amount of effort. Because once it becomes something you learn, you can continually go back to it. You have a process that you can check. And it's one of the important things about mental management is learning the process and the steps that you go through to, to perform whatever it is you're doing. If something happens during that performance, you can go back because you have a process. So you can go back and you look, you can look at it. You can now assess the, and answer the very important question of why didn't it work? Because mm-hmm. you'll know why it didn't work, not wondering. And I think that's a big problem for a lot of folks. They're, they're not quite sure why something didn't uh, didn't happen like they wanted it to. And uh, we're talking about steps one through seven for shooting. You can go back and know exactly like if you don't move, you can go back and identify what to fix, make that change, get back to success. But you're also referring to life. And there's a point that I want you to, to talk about a little bit because I never really thought about it going through because I was so hungry of being my best self that, and and this just wasn't a thing for me. But then once I stepped into like your shoes of the role of instructing and coaching and influence, there's a difference between ego and a positive self image. Yes. And I, like, I think that is so important for people to understand the difference. Well, um, you know, there are, there are those that um, they're a bit arrogant in their approach to things. And I would say that's more the ego talking as opposed to having the confidence level to know that you can perform at a high level on demand, by the way, 
uh, which is that self-image. The changing self-image will allow you to perform at that high level anytime you want to. And that's the critical part about it. If you don't know how to make that change, if you don't know how to, to control your mind, then it's a, it's it's then really a question of is it my ego talking or is it really the confidence that I have, the self-image that I have that I can achieve whatever it is I need to do. The two are different. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, when you ask anybody about whatever it is they do, and you ask them how much of what you do is mental, they'll tell you, well, geez, it's 90% mental. And then you ask them the next question. Well, how often do you practice the mental side of the game? If it's 90% mental, hopefully you practice a lot. And they look at you and there's crickets because they have no idea what you're talking about. They have no idea how to do that. What I gave you was a way to do that. And now when you have, or you run into a, a difficult situation, you have a process that you can follow. And that process helps you get grounded again and find yourself again. It's a big deal. It really it is, is a big deal. Those are the differences, I think. Because with ego, it's, um, and this is a little bit of a different perspective, but it's like you get all jacked up, right? Your adrenaline's flowing. You're just out there to rock it. Now that I've moved into a middle management program and process, I become more calm because I go into that zone, right? So I'm collected, focused, all these things that, um, like, you don't see like you get these basketball players on the on the court or whatever and you see tons of ego and stuff you know it's really it's not common that you see them go into like this calm thing that I'm just here and I'm like people just fade away it's almost like the world just disappears and all I see is my job in front of me right no I, I agree with that that's a little different perspective than what I gave you but uh, accurate uh, nonetheless so uh, um Working on that self-image for folks is the thing I think that will take you the furthest. Um, so, you know, find somebody that can help you do that. Find a coach that can help you do that uh, if you're listening to this particular broadcast. It, there, there are other things in, in the uh, realm of principles of, of mental management that are critical as well. And one of the things we've talked about here, we've alluded to it several times, but never really gotten into it. And that is that the conscious mind can really only, it's the number one principle of of mental management. The conscious mind can only focus on one thing at a time. And unless you know how to control it, you you really can't focus on one thing. You might be focusing on the wrong thing Mm -hmm. when you're trying to perform. And if you'll go, if you'll think back to some of our sessions, that was really something that I drove hard uh, for you to get and you you did you got it it was my biggest hurdle I can say that was my biggest hurdle because I had to fight so hard for the opportunity to to be with you and to go through this process and so like that's why I never took it for granted that's why I always showed up because I I was fighting for it and in the moment like I didn't really understand why I couldn't see the big picture that you had you know that that you understood what was happening to me all i knew was i felt like crap when i showed up and i felt like i could like conquer the world when i left 
And and that, you know, that feeling made me like want to come back. And and I was driving when when Garland Mountain opened, I was driving an hour and a half each way across the mountain. Five, six days a week. I still don't know how I did that. Um, But when you turned me loose and then I started hosting events, I'll never forget my first trip to Wisconsin um, down in Milwaukee. NAVDA, a, a group of NAVDA ladies that I met through Pheasant Fest, maybe my first year, maybe my second, had me come up. And, and the thing about them was they work all year long to have a great dog. And then they don't have the shooting skills because they're um, the game they play, they have a designated shooter. So they've got this dog ready to roll, but they don't have the confidence with shooting and handling um, to take their dogs out. So I was going to travel around and help, you know, the ladies through NAVDA. I'll never forget that first time we sat down and my, and and I set things up as similar to the same process um, as I could to what you had modeled for me, even though I only had 24 hours with these women. Right. So we started at a table in a classroom session and it had nothing to do with techniques or shooting or anything. It was like, why are you here? What is your why? Like what drives you to do this? What makes you commit to this? Why do you commit to your dog and really get to those layers, especially with women because they get so emotionally dependent on their dog. I tell you what, there was, I don't know, 20, 25 women there. Everybody was crying. There was from an abusive relationship to, you you know, you you name it. And, and it was the coolest thing to see bird dogs and shotguns bring so much healing to other people because I had gone through it myself. And so I was like, oh, this works like this works. And, and it was like, I know that I could apply it, but I was seeking it out, whether I understood, whether I knew I was seeking it out, but I was looking for an answer, right? I was looking for something. I didn't realize that it would come through shotgun sports, but to be able to give that gift, I, it was probably like the best thing ever. Yeah. And I think, uh, I remember the story. I remember you telling me that the, the ladies were listening to you and they ended up crying. And they, what I think what you showed them was that you can change, you can replace your self-image, um, but you really have to want to do that. You're responsible for doing that. I can, I can show you or this probably you, what essentially you were talking about was we can show you uh, that there is a need for change, but you're the one who's responsible for it. And when you figure that out, you realize that you have to change your habits and your attitudes so that the self-image can change, because that is what does change the self-image. It's the imprinting that you do. It's the, it's the way you talk to yourself. It's the way you talk to others. It's the way you um, write things. Writing is very powerful. It's why I had you journal things um, in its performance journal. If you will remember, uh, I had you write what you did right that day, mm-hmm. what you did correctly that yep. day. We never allowed you to put down anything that you did f- from for our perspective right now incorrectly. But it would be characterized as I'm searching for a solution to. And that oh, methodology that's so good. was what helped build that. Yeah. 
So I'm searching for a solution too, was what you always had to answer for me. If, if you had, for example, if you had difficulty on a left to right crosser at 30 yards and you couldn't hit it very well, you were searching for a solution to that. It, it wasn't going down in your journal with, I can't hit a 30 yard left to right crosser because that kills your self image. Mm -hmm. It's that self-talk, it's what you write, and it's the realization that you are responsible for creating your own self-image. The one that you have right now may not be the one you want. So how do I create the new one? And that's right. one issue. <clears throat> the biggest transformation I can tell you of my time with you was when I came to you, I had already started running Mercy in competitions, doing competition hunting. I was running UFTA in Georgia. And when I started, I was the only female down there. This sport has grown so much since I started. Um, but I, w I was a terrible shooter. I had the wrong gun. All those things. This was pre my first lesson with you. And I had a firecracker short hair that I had no business running as my first dog. Um, and she was too, just come out of training, like run all over me. And I just thought it was the funnest thing ever. So all I did was repeat the problem but right. i was having so much fun doing it i didn't realize that i was tanking <laughs> you know the dog and myself but it was so much fun so i came to you and you were a sporting clay shooter and i picked up on that so much and we shot together every day we shot our tournaments together like that season of life is like one that i'll cherish for forever but then it ended and I ended up back in tournament hunting and it was, and, and it was my time and to know like the things I, I, I got to run BDC, my first tournament running BDC was nationals and I won my first tournament back in the field. I won. And, and I think about that and I took a ton of titles after that. I mean, the next year I got ladies player of the year first second and third and and I would go to tournaments and just went and I'm like man this is so crazy because here I am not just shooting birds on the clock but I'm handling dogs half the time I barely even know the dog's name it could have been a client dog whatever and I saw firsthand what that process had done because I even upped my game, right? So sporting clays is one thing, but to throw a dog in there and live birds and things that you can't predict um, on the clock and traveling all over the country, being on the road, hauling 10 dogs plus, whatever. I mean, throwing me the deep end of the pool is exactly what I did. And, and I was pretty good at <laughs> throwing you a curveball and being like, okay, well, let's go do this and just skipping some steps and <laughs> going yeah. for the big one every time. But I saw how that had changed me and the problems that I faced being on the road and how I responded to them, how I handled them, how I blocked them out, how I was able to stay focused, how I was able to stay positive. I'm changed. So if I had not taken those 18 to 24 months and threw myself back into what I wanted, like I wanted to be a trophy tournament hunting winner more than anything in the world and I did it over and over and over until the point that I said I knew when I went into worlds last year I was like 
my season here is done. Like I have, it, it was all for myself. Like I never competed against anybody else. It didn't really matter what anybody else did, right? Like I knew what I expected of myself. I knew the dog that I was going with, whether I knew it or I didn't know it. I had to set a certain expectation of my performance in the field. And I did that every time. I never worried about what anybody else did. I I just made my own plan for myself and I stuck to it. And it changed everything. I didn't watch clocks. I I didn't I just went and did my job. And I right. never could have been that focused without have spending the time with you that I did, or I never would have achieved a goal that that was my first love of bird dogging. You know, I was a tournament hunter before I was ever a real hunter. Sure. So yeah. Yeah, like I, I celebrate that every day. Yeah, well, you said you said a mouthful there, and I'm going to pull that apart just a little bit. Okay. Um, the reason you were able to go out and do all of those different things and face the adversity uh, and overcome it and win time and time again. I remember you kept you would text me and you would say, "I won again, I won again," and it was like amazing. I just you just kept winning, uh, and uh, you know it was there's nothing better for a coach to hear that um, you know the student is is using the system and winning and winning and winning and so you were doing that that all led back to that self-image because you knew and you felt that you could do that you had the expectation that you were going to be able to do that and then you said something else in that uh, discussion just a second ago you were really competing against yourself and you know, I think back to the times when I was a child and parents, if you've got young performers out there, uh, you are their coach. And what you say to them, how you say it to them, makes a huge difference in the development of that child in, in all aspects of their life. And, and so I think back to my own childhood and I thought, you know, I wonder, you know, I, I really sat down, I actually thought about it and I thought, you know, my parents were absolutely awesome i always felt always that i was a winner and i competed in baseball uh, basketball uh, and track and it didn't make any difference what my score was when i came back my parents uh, were not educated people um, barely made it out of uh, grammar school but what they did say to me every time was did you do your best and that was the question they asked me. Did you do your best today? And I said, yeah, I gave it all I had. Well, then you won. And that probably did more for me as a, as a person than anything else that has ever happened to me. Is they built that self-image. I don't think they realized what they were doing. Yeah. But they were building a self-image. I thought I won every time, every time I did anything, I won. Okay. Because and you so gave your best. I did. I gave my best. All that mattered was, did you give your best? It didn't matter if you if you were the your name was at the top of the winner board or not. Is did you try your hardest to that? And that's all that matters. So, and I I, co I coach my students like that today. Uh, they go to a tournament. I don't ask them, did you win? I ask them, did you do your best? And if they can really honestly look at me and tell me, yeah, I did, and I shot a seventy-five, well, then that was great. Because yeah. last time you shot a 72, you, you improved by three targets and those three targets mean a lot. We'll talk about three targets one day. Uh, I sent you actually a, 
a story oh, about so good yeah but we'll talk about that someday but when you can do something like that you can compete with yourself and you can win every time that you go out your self-image is going to grow so fast and so big it will you'll have to control yourself so that you're not arrogant and that you just have that swagger <laughs> but that was that was a good explanation that you gave well you know talking about kids i was you you built me to be perfectly capable of coaching my own kids but they have both taken to you and um I can tell a difference in the way that I parent. I can tell a difference in how, you know, the American mentality is every generation in the family should be better than the one before, right? That's that's yeah. the goal. I see that, um, you know, regardless of the adversity that JC's been through with her life and the fact that she's so young, she's a conqueror. And there's nothing that that kid doesn't think that she can't do. And I think it's definitely because I was very open with her with the process of, of me, like when, when I started working with you, I was very open with it. And I preached that humble, grateful heart. And if you have a humble, grateful heart, you're going to make the best decision you can with the knowledge that you have in the moment. And so now like she usually ditches me and talks to you first to get advice, but <laughs> it'll work for mom. It'll work for me. So, yeah. um, so I just, I see how valuable this is. I have read the book, you know, Parenting Champions. I took that to heart. It is, it's a massive difference with the way that you word things. You can say the exact same thing, but it, it's so different. It is. And, and parents, remember, you are the coach of that child every day, every minute of the day. You may turn them over to somebody like me for a period of time, but when they're back with you, you've got to maintain what we have taught. You know, I, I, I have conversations with the, with the parents all the time of a, of a young shooter. And we'll talk about what we talked about that day because what I want to impart is the importance that the parent reinforce what I have done, not take it apart. Mm -hmm. The self-image, especially a child's self-image, is so fragile that the ability to protect it, every parent wants to wants to protect it, but somehow um, don't know how to do that. And, and so if they understand where uh, you're coming from as the coach, and then they begin to get a, a, a different thought process with regards to how they have to interact with their child, you can actually watch that child's performance grow and self-image grow very very quickly it's it's amazing when i have someone who takes to that and when they don't you can see it in the child's performance and in, and just how that child walks away from, from things so it's it's kind of an interesting thing but uh, that book is a book that you might want to pick up parenting champions by lanny bassam excellent book uh, if you are a parent yeah and you know maybe that's motivation for parents to do this hard work is they know that they can be the best parent they can and give their kids the best gift. Um, it's just life-changing. Like, Hallie Joe's eight. She'll be nine in November. But the things that she has confidence to do, she doesn't think twice about trying new things or shooting in front of people or, I mean, talking in front of people. She has been mic'd so many times in front of crowds of, like, 200-plus because – 
she's confident in, in herself and her own knowledge of whatever it may be, even though she's only eight. But this is because this is all she's ever heard. Right. You're prepared. You've been taught properly. Have confidence. Trust your training. I say that so many times yeah. still, like yeah. trust your training. And right. something that I've told you, um, and I didn't get to get in as much depth as I would have loved to, but when I was in the boxing gym, I picked up a, a, a shoot, uh, well, not a shooter. I picked up a boxer, a, a fighter who's come into MMA and helped him because his trainer, which was my also trainer in the gym, we were having a conversation. We're like, he's missing that self-image thing. He gets in the ring and he starts doubting himself, you know? And I was like, trust your training. Like I can, I can transform this kid. And he ended up having a lot of the same pressures that I had, um, with outside influences and those kind of things that would cause him to doubt himself. So I just went to work and did the exact same thing and remembered all the bullet points of, of what helped me the most and just started sharing with him and having him work through those processes. And he's a night and day different kid and winning and all this stuff. And so I, I, man, I was so tempted to just be like, okay, I'm going to call you and I'm going to go through the whole program because then I got addicted to sharing and seeing other people's rewards and other people find their best self. And that is another addiction on top of feeling like a conqueror. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, one of the reasons I coach is because of that. It's, it's the, it's the feedback that I get when someone gets a scholarship somewhere, you know, you scholarship a kid to, Auburn or to, I've got one right now who's uh, probably going to end up at Clemson. Um, that's a big deal. And yeah. why are they getting there? Because of the changes that you've helped them make. And, you know, when you get that kind of feedback, it's, uh, it, it is something that you get addicted to. I, I love to coach uh, because of those particular types of things. Uh, or when someone, you know, I've been doing this kind of thing, uh, with the mental management piece of things for probably a little over 15 years now. But recently I sent you something from a, a guy who's now in his fifties mm -hmm. who I took under, he, he, I sent you the, the text he sent me and it said, you took me under your wing at 20. You helped coach me along. You were tough when you needed to be. You'd helped me in the thirties when I was in my thirties. Now in, I'm in my fifties and you're still doing it. Uh, that kind of thing is what that feedback is what a coach needs to have to say, you know, this is all worth it. Uh, it has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with anything like that. Notoriety. I hate notoriety. I know uh, nobody yeah. even knows your name. I'm like, how do y'all not know this man? <laughs> I, don't like I just, I just want to help those folks that, you know, are truly seeking it out because not everybody does. And those that seek it out, uh, I'm there for you. So yeah. uh, that that's what drives me. Well, I appreciate it. I would I would never have made it this far. I didn't even know this life existed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so I'll never forget I had to um we're like, "Okay, you got to get you got to get you a gun that you can commit to, right?" So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to get me an old trusty. So a friend that I was tournament hunting with was working with CZ. So we reached out to Dave Miller, who was their shotgun manager. 
to get me a gun. And I'll never forget, we sent him my measurements and he was like, no way, you know, no way that you shoot that. And then I ended up getting guns from them. And there were times I just didn't think I could miss. I mean, it just fit so well. I didn't think that I could miss, but putting my resume together, I'll never forget, um, I met him and did my interview to work with them at NRA in Atlanta. Um, I think that was 2017, so I'd only been shooting with you a year. And I had to put it on paper, and I thought, wow, that reflection, looking at my computer screen, I'm like, there's no way this is me. Like, I'm talking about myself. And then he told me to put down a list of things that I wanted to achieve in a year, five years, and maybe ten. Maybe it was just a year and five. Well, I only stayed with them before, you know, well, that's a different story, but I sat down and, and I and I explained this whole thing with him. And when I showed up to NRA, I had done a photo shoot for Glock. So here I was like live size on this Glock booth, working shotgun session section over here at the CZ booth. And I'm like, I didn't even know this world existed. And how in the world have I fell into it like this, you know? And so I have fought not going back to an old career like what I went to school for and stuff but when things like that happen purpose trumps everything and living by faith and just knowing like this is my calling like every trip I feel my experiences changed the life or made somebody else's life better so it's like you can't walk away from that so yeah so I'm sitting here with Miller across the table you know barely know I'm only to talk to him on the phone a few times so I go and start traveling and shooting with them. And within a year and a half, two years max, I conquered every single goal that I had on a five-year goal. I did that overnight. And I, and I remember sitting back saying, I got to make a new list. So what I did was I went through the process. I prepared myself. I put it on paper. And I never said no. And every interview I ever do now, it's like, I'm not special. I just never said no. I wasn't scared of the work. It was hard. And sometimes I hated the realization of reality or, you know, having to live with the guilt or the embarrassment or whatever I was having to face about myself to go to the next level, because that's the hard part is you're holding yourself back. So you got to deal with yourself, your inner self, your inner voice to get yourself out of the way to go be your best self. No, that's true. It's uh, and and that is the uh, that's the point I was making when people when people realize that they're responsible and they have to change their habits and attitudes. That's mm-hmm. really hard to do. Yeah. It's why it's why so few people achieve the highest levels. You know, one of the, one of the uh, things that you'll hear is that ninety five percent of the winning is done by five percent of the people. Think about it in anything that you look at race car drivers, um, golfers, uh, you know, the best baseball players, you're going to hear the same names pretty much all the time. And it's going to be comprised of that top 5% of people. There's a lot of participants, but there are very few at the top of the leaderboard. And it's because it's so hard and changing habits and attitudes can be done, but boy, you got to know how to do that. And you've got to have 
help to do that. You do need to have help. And now that I'm on this side of it, and I'm not finished, like I I have more that I want to conquer. And, and it takes a new level of mental strength every time that you graduate, every time you set a new set of goals, you have to push harder. So this process never ends, but it does get easier. And once you've achieved it once, you realize it's like flipping a switch, you know? And that's what I've told so many people that have been in my life that just jump to negativity and they just want to be negative about everything or they want to focus on the negative side of things that the glass is half empty or half full. It's literally a flip of a switch of how you communicate. And that's the first step is just stop being negative. And it's amazing to see how different life happens to you when you focus on the fact that your cup's half full instead of half empty. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that that is so important. That That is actually the last tenant of the mental management process, which is your self-talk and your writing and the people you hang out with, basically. All of those things affect your self-image. Mm. And it reminds me of a story uh, that I heard when we were in the uh, training class. The instructor was, uh, uh, he was a shooter on the U.S. marksmanship team. And he shot with the best shooters in the world. They were all on that team. And they were, he was a, a new incoming shooter. And all of these guys and, and gals, because there was a couple of ladies that were, there that were also at the top of the game, uh, they really wouldn't give him the time of day because he was new. And after a little bit of time, you know, they would actually kind of talk to him a little bit. And one day he was invited to their table because this was the military, right? So they sat at one table and the junior officers, which he was, he'd sat at another table. And he tells the story of the time that they asked him to come and sit at his table, at their table. So he did, he went and sat there and he says, you know, whatever they did, I did. They put mustard on their hot dog, I put it on mine. If they put ketchup on their hamburger, I put it on mine, even if I didn't like it. He says, whatever they did, I wanted to do so I could be like them. I wanted to be the top of the game. So he goes to the table after they have invited him and they asked him, well, how'd you, how'd you uh, uh, like today's shooting? He says, hey, it was, you know, it was pretty good. Um, I did okay and um, I did this and I did that. And what he was reflecting was his mistakes. Mm -hmm. And they looked at him, all of them. And the, the, the uh, top officer at the table stopped everything. And he pointed back at the table where this young officer was sitting. And he says, you go back and you sit back over there until you learn how to talk about your shooting. And he says that was such an important lesson for him that day because he said what he learned was champions never talk negatively. Everything they talk about is on an upbeat, positive format because they realize how fragile their self-image is. And so they do everything they can to protect it. So again, your story yeah. is exactly on point with, with that story right there. I caught myself, I, I mean, now that you pointed out, in the last couple of days, Hallie Joe was complaining about something. And I said, don't bring me problems, bring me solutions. And I sent her off like, don't come to me and tell me what your problems are. You come to me with a solution that you need help with. And 
now I'm so, like doing it. Don't even think about it because it's been imprinted in me. And now I protect myself. Like I'm not even going to let the eight year old bring me negativity, you know? Yeah. And you know, I'm doing another podcast, um, which we never thought I would do anything that was like super chick world, but on the 40 years to freedom podcast, it seems like every episode that we record, somehow I bring up the friend group and, um, it's really hard for moms that get, and, and this could have been part of my problem too. When I first started is that I wasn't living out my purpose. I had lost myself and, you know, like you get into a marriage, whether it's a positive one or a negative one, you can still lose your own personal identity. You get into mom life and you just become somebody's mom. You lose your name, you know, and you just, you just put everybody else before yourself, not realizing that you can't give your best unless you are your best. And a big part of that is I tell everybody, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So who are those people? And do you want to be them? Is that your goal of, of what you want to achieve in life? And I remember uh, a lady that influenced me as a child a lot. And she would always say, don't take advice from somebody you wouldn't trade shoes with. And it stuck with me for so long. But the problem is, if you're not surrounding yourself with people that you would actually trade shoes with, then you're getting terrible advice. That's right. Yeah, you know, that you know those uh, those Southernisms. Uh, you know, <laughs> I love them. I, love I them. do too. I'm, I'm from Colorado, but uh, been here in the South now 26 years. Uh, so I just love this place, and it's those little stories like that that are so on point. You know, don't don't uh, don't take advice from somebody you wouldn't choose change shoes with. I mean, I love that, and it's right. It's you've got to be influenced in the right way. And it's mm -hmm. so easy to be influenced the wrong way. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a tournament shooter. If I go to a tournament and I sit down and have lunch, I can just listen. And at the tables around me, everybody will talk about the targets they missed, mm -hmm. but not about the targets they hit. Very interesting. And Again, it, it just reminds me of that story I told just a little while ago, but you've got to really learn how to think because how you think will actually affect everything that you do. You know, something else that I picked up from you, and that is being extremely picky as to who's on our team. Yes. And the fact that we created a culture that protected us while we were shooting. And I took that and applied that into my world. So whether that be my friend group, but definitely people that I work with, I want to put forth my best image. I want to build the best reputation. I want to build something that's going to last well beyond me. And I can't do that if I'm completely surrounded with people that are trash talkers or that aren't of the same mindset to build something, you know, that's going to last. So... It was just a very simple principle. We don't want hotheads and we don't want negativity and we don't want people that don't take this serious. Not that, you know, we took it too serious, but we came with expectations and we set personal goals of every tournament that we shot together. And so I just took that principle and said, okay, I am setting healthy boundaries of myself and 
I'm like the most friendliest, like social person, you know, <laughs> I love to have a good time, That's true. but I do have walls up that only so many people get into that inner circle because I'm not giving up the work that I've done on myself. And I think that's probably the best gift that I got. Interesting, because we gave you a lot, but uh, I think that's one that will help you. And, and you've realized it. You, you realize how important it is to be surrounded by the positive folks that uh, will help you, not not hurt you. Mm -hmm. And I go back to the parent talk. You know, if the parents are around the child all the time and they're not saying the right things, not not coaching in the right way. Because everything you do is you're, you're coaching when you're a child or when you're a parent. Uh, and if that's not done the right way, you're hurting that child's self-image. And if you look around at today's children, uh, and I'm talking about anywhere from eight years old to 25 years old, some of them are constantly depressed. Uh, they don't know what to do with themselves. And if you start looking a little bit deeper, I think you'll, you know, we don't want to get too philosophical here, but if you start looking a little deeper, you'll find that some of those problems are created by the home environment and uh, the coach, mom or dad, probably isn't doing what they need to do. So surround yourself with the people that can help you not hurt you. It'll help your self-image. Yeah. And, and the, it first starts with recognition of wanting, just having a desire to Push yourself to your potential. Have to have that. Without that, without that, and it's why people people don't really achieve the highest levels is because the desire to really get there, once they find out how tough it is, mm -hmm. it wanes. The desire wanes. And to, to have that level of commitment like you did, um, that's not easy. And, you know, you, you mentioned several times uh, the time that you put in. Uh, the expense that you went through to make all this happen. You have to have those as, as resources. You've got to have time and you've got to have a lot of times you have to have the resources financially uh, to, to make the full commitment to make the change because the change doesn't happen overnight. This change takes a long time. Um, you know, uh, you can change a habit if you really want to in about 21 days but boy, you've got to be dedicated to do that. Most people don't make that. Oh, I didn't regular. do it in 21 days. <laughs> you didn't. You didn't. Mm -mm. And, and most people don't. It's very difficult to do. Uh, but it was a roller coaster. And that yeah. that's something that people should know. It's one of those things where, and this, and this was the same, changing my mindset and um, establishing my shooting skills was the same thing it's like and you talk about this a roller coaster and eventually it just flattens out but one day something that you've conquered the most ends up being okay not the thing that's working so well because you're so focused on building the next skill so the thing that you just mastered kind of falls apart and it's like this seesaw thing that goes back and forth and goes back and forth until everything comes together and that can be very disheartening or challenging, discouraging for others that don't understand that principle of how everything eventually just comes together like a light bulb comes on. Yeah, it takes it takes a while because what you're focusing on are the three rings. You're focusing on the conscious mind and being able to control it, telling it what to think about. 
what to picture because it doesn't matter what you say. What really matters is what you picture or what you cause others to picture. Then you've got to have a, a subconscious that can take those pictures and convert them into a skill and produce it in performance. And you've got to help the self-image that says, yeah, I can do this. You got a 60 yard target, throw it, I'll break it. Uh, you know, you, you've got 50 people I have to beat today, great, I'll beat them. Those are the kinds of things that uh, when you said everything comes together until you can get all three of those things the same, the conscious mind, the subconscious, and the self-image, until those things are the same, there's an imbalance. And what a coach does is looks for the imbalance, a coach that knows about this system. So we'll look for the imbalance that you have. Uh, a lot of times shooters come to me that are very, very good technically. They know what to think about. They have great skills. But boy, when they get on a tournament course, they fall apart. And so when they come to me, you know, we'll do a lot of talking and I'll figure out, okay, and, and we'll shoot and I'll, I'll watch them shoot in practice and they look great. And then they go and shoot a tournament and they'll come back and they'll tell me, well, you know, I shot an 83 and I know that this guy's capable of a 90. So the conversation begins and we begin to dissect which of those three circles needs some work. It's almost always the self-image. So, mm -hmm. but you're right. The, if, when things come together, it's when the conscious, subconscious, and self-image are all working in concert. When that happens, boy, you're a tough competitor and you're tough to beat that day. Yeah, and, and, and it goes for in life too, because yes. the more successful you come, the more stable you become. For me, and you know this, friends just start dropping like flies. <laughs> You, you lose you lose people as you grow. And it's hard to say like you outgrow people, but not everybody wants this work. Not everybody no. wants to do it. But if you commit to it, you can't drag people along with you. No, that's true. And, and that was a hurdle that you had to deal with me. You had to tell me, listen, either you want this, no matter what the consequences are, or you got to stay where you are. I read, I went down that road more than once. I know you did, and uh, the price can be high sometimes, but depending on what you want to accomplish, um, you decide whether you'll pay it or not. And like I said, about 5% of the people do. Mm -hmm. 95 don't. It's just too difficult. Well, I would do it all over again. I don't know how I would get away with it, but there's no way that I would go back to who I was before now that I know what it feels like. Just. Yeah just my internal like the way that i deal with anxiety and stress like just life that you can't avoid i deal with things so much differently now and i don't even think about it right well winning is contagious right winning feels good and no matter what it is that you're doing and if you think that you've won um and we had that discussion just a little while ago if you always feel like you're winning you are and it, it just changes, <laughs> yeah. changes your mind. It changes your mindset. It changes everything. The way you feel. It's an amazing thing. That's a perfect example. There's so many times, you guys, that I would make overcomplicate things, right? Just overcomplicate it over and over and over. And I would get answers like that. It just is. 
it just is. And I'm like, what do you mean it just is? <laughs> Sometimes it's no deeper than that. <laughs> but you feel like you feel like things should just be a huge awakening or something when you realize how simple this is. Even though it's hard, that is a difficult thing to wrap your mind around sometimes. Sometimes you can't fathom it. Sometimes you can't believe it was so simple. Yep. And that was really hard for me. Yeah. I, re I remember some of those revelations that you had. You mean that's all there is to it? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> There's nothing more. That's it. Yeah. Uh, like when he would ask me those questions and I would think and be like, oh, my God, I got to get all deep in this and all this stuff. Try again. Try again. If I would have just been like, oh, five seconds, let me answer this and send it. I would have been on to the next step a lot quicker. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a painful process. It's it's a growth <laughs> is always difficult. This has been so much fun, and I I'm thrilled that I can share this because I've kept this private, unless it was you know something that I hosted. I really haven't put out um, my personal story or my journey of how I found myself in the outdoors. So I really appreciate you coming on and going through this with me. It's been my pleasure. All right. Well, you guys, you have met my coach and he'll probably retire soon. So, um, <laughs> but yep. if anybody is interested in what we've talked about, feel free to message me. I can point you in the right direction, um, of a very similar program that I've been through. And, uh, I actually have done a podcast already with Ed Byers who is a Navy SEAL, and he's gone through the same exact mental management program. We talk a lot about that on his episode. So no matter what you do in life, this program has answers. It has answers for you to be your best self, to live your best life, and for me, become a champion shooter time and time and time again. And uh, that was a life goal for me. So now we're on to the next chapter, D. Okay. Well, you, you let me know. I'm here. You know that. <laughs> All right. We'll make an appointment now. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks for having me. I guess there is something you don't understand. Nasty you fly that southern flag. Whistling Dixieland enough to break. And I know. Christmas night, happy Halloween.